If you could turn your Bibles, if you're using a Bible this morning, turn to John chapter 20. We're going to be starting in verse 21. We're going to read 21, 22, and 23, just those three verses, very quickly. You might be joining us and using our app this morning where I put my notes from my messages. You can join us where I've put the scriptures that are pertinent for today and some notes. You can just download our Movement Church app, go to Sunday Services Sermon Notes, and in there you're going to see those notes. John chapter 20. In the last uh, week, we talked about forgiveness, and we addressed this vertical idea of forgiveness. And what I mean by that is, is that God has forgiven us. And we talked about what that looks like. And foundationally, I described and defined what forgiveness was. I'm going to redefine that for you in a second because it's important for us moving forward today. But I said, we need to talk about vertical, the vertical relationship of forgiveness, God forgiving us as humanity. And then today we're going to talk about our ability to forgive them. You know, the people in our lives or perhaps the entities or the organizations, because I believe that forgiveness is between people and it's personal between people, but it also is forgiveness at times of entities and organizations, of entities and organizations. So we're going to talk about the horizontal idea of forgiveness. Next week, we're going to be talking about a deeper layer of forgiveness, about forgiving ourselves and what that looks like. Today, let me read, let's jump in, John chapter 20, verse 21. Now, what has happened in this passage, just very quickly, if you want some more context from weeks prior, you can jump onto our YouTube page, just subscribe and be sure to hit that bell so that you are alerted when new content is put on our YouTube uh, page, which we have new content being added daily throughout the week. You can go on and watch last week's message and give you some context for the rest of the story. I'm just going to recap it very quickly, and here's how it goes. Jesus Christ was crucified. He rose from the dead. John and Peter with Mary found the tomb empty. Mary sees herself standing in the garden, ends up being approached by Jesus. He gives her some, some descriptions on some things that he wants her to do, and Jesus then appears to his disciples. And this is where we pick up in the story in verse 21. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. That means that just prior to that, Jesus showed up and the first thing he said to his disciples, who he hadn't seen since being crucified, was peace be with you. So he says it again in verse 21, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. This alerts us to the fact that Jesus has a mission for us. Now, as we read, we're going to find out what this mission is. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now, I just want to tell you that what Jesus is introducing is the principle of forgiveness into the ministry that he's sending us into. And I defined forgiveness last week. I'm going to redefine it right now. Forgiveness means to pardon, absolution, exoneration. means mercy, acquittal, to wipe out or wipe away. It's to remove an offense. It's to let go of an offense. The opposite of forgiveness is punishment. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to boil this down and make this very simple for today. Forgiveness means to release an offense. Forgiveness simply means that as maybe you're offended or I'm offended, we're going to let go of that offense. We're going to release that offense. God has released the offense, this vertical idea of forgiveness. God has released the offense 
between humanity and him. He's released it and forgiven us through his son, Jesus Christ. So forgiveness means to release an offense. There's three aspects I'm going to talk about today. Number one, forgiveness is a fight. We have to know what the fight is of forgiveness that we're engaging in. Number one, forgiveness is a fight. Number two, forgiveness trusts. And number three, forgiveness has a face. Number one, forgiveness is a fight. Colossians 2.13. I ended my message last week with this exact passage when I made the point that forgiveness releases freedom. I'm picking back up in the same passage today, starting out, and it says, Colossians 2.13, when you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins. Having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us, he has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. Verse 15, and having disarmed the powers and the authorities, it says, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Now, something that I want to focus on very quickly. Forgiveness releases freedom by disarming powers and authorities from being able to pass judgment. So forgiveness releases freedom by disarming powers and authorities from being able to pass judgment. What are the powers and authorities that have been disarmed? Last week I talked about this, so a quick refresher. The powers and authorities are Satan and all of his demonic forces. Satan and all of his co-partners. That they have been disarmed from being able to pass judgment on humanity. That this is the good news. This should be joyful news for us. That forgiveness, that's the freedom that we walk into. That it releases us from being judged by the enemy. I defined this word last week. I'm going to define it again this week because the word is disarmed. That the enemy was disarmed. He was, that the word means divested. It means to be removed as a stakeholder from an investment. To be removed as a stakeholder from an investment. See, forgiveness is a fight. It's a, it's, forgiveness is a spiritual battle. It is not a battle between people. It's not a personal issue. Forgiveness isn't, it's not a personal issue between God and man. It's a spiritual issue. The enemy is wanting to keep us in a place where he's passing judgment on us. And that equals death. God wants to keep us in a place of forgiveness where he releases life. Forgiveness is a fight for the power of judgment. This is foundational. Forgiveness is a fight for the power of judgment between a spirit of darkness, spirit of darkness, Satan. There's an enemy in this battle, a spirit of darkness. It is a fight. This is what it is. Forgiveness is a fight for the power of judgment between a spirit of darkness and a spirit of light. It's a fight spiritually between an enemy, Satan, and our creator, God, the spirit of light. God says, live with forgiveness. God is saying, I want you to live with forgiveness. God gives us life through forgiveness, and he wants us to live with forgiveness. The enemy lives with unforgiveness and wants us to live in unforgiveness. 
God says in this forgiveness, God says, let go of the offense as I have let go of the offense. I want you to live in forgiveness. And forgiveness says, let go of the offense. Unforgiveness, spirit of darkness, camp with the enemy, camp with Satan says, hold on to the offense. Hold on to the offense. So unforgiveness, if I'm camping in this camp over here of unforgiveness, I am going to withhold forgiveness. Really what's happening is in my unforgiveness, it's an attempt to stay invested in my offender's life. Something that I really feel strongly about is that the enemy's whole goal is to bring death and destruction in relationship in humanity. And God wants to reconcile that. So what happens? The enemy has been disarmed. All of the enemy's co-workers have been disarmed. They're divested. They no longer have a seat at the stakeholder table in the life of humanity. They no longer have a seat where they can pass judgment on your life and my life. And what the enemy wants us to do is convince us to be a co-partner with him in unforgiveness. Why? So that we can try to slip into the seat of judgment through unforgiveness and hold that over this person's life who has offended us. So if you've offended me, the enemy says, you should live in unforgiveness, Pat. You should hold on to that offense because when you hold on to the offense, you're rearming, you're reinvesting, you're staying invested in, you're able to have a seat at the executive table, if you will, to be able to speak as a, a major stakeholder in, the, in this person's life. But that is not our position. God says that the enemy has been disarmed and now the enemy wants to use you and I in a spiritual battle to make it personal. Can I tell you this morning that forgiveness is a fight, but the fight is not between you and myself. The fight isn't between you and your offender. The fight isn't between you and that entity. It's not between you and the organization. It's not between you and that political party. It's not between you and that ethnic group. It's not between you and that country. That the, the, the fight of forgiveness is a spiritual battle where the enemy wants to keep us in a place of hostility and unforgiveness where we're trying to control the judgment over other people's lives. Shout an amen. If you're understanding what I'm saying, if, you're, if this is resonating in you, if this is striking a chord, I believe that this is a word from the Lord for us this morning. Forgiveness releases the debt. God says, when I forgive you, I've released you from the debt of all your wrongdoings. When I forgive someone else, I'm releasing the debt. You no longer owe me. Unforgiveness demands a payment. You, this is what unforgiveness says. You've offended me, you owe me. And in fact, unforgiveness remembers and reminds other people. Here, here's a tip. You may know, I may know that in the fight of forgiveness, I may be walking more in unforgiveness if I find myself being reminded and reminding people of their wrongdoings. What am I doing? I'm holding it over their head as what? Judgment. I am partnering with unforgiveness and saying, you need to pay. I'm demanding payment. 
when I actually don't have any right to speak into that person's life and demand anything. God is the only one who has the right to judge and bring justice. Unforgiveness is a power move. Unforgiveness is nothing more than a power move to pass judgment over others. Check this out. Luke 6.37 says, Do not judge and you will not be judged. Whoa. That when I pass judgment, what I'm doing is opening myself to be judged. You may find that when you live in unforgiveness, lots of people have a hard time forgiving you. You may find if you feel like people are holding forgiveness from you, why can't they just forget about the things that I've done? Why, why do they have to remind me? That might be a check in your spirit, a check in my spirit to say, you know what? I, I'm going to look at what Luke said and I'm not going to judge or I'm going to be judged. I shouldn't condemn or I'm going to be condemned. The truth is, if I'm seeing a lot of condemnation and I'm receiving a lot of judgment, I might be judging and condemning other people. In fact, it goes on to say, forgive and you will be forgiven. That if I withhold forgiveness, what I'm going to find is that people probably with, will withhold forgiveness from me. Forgiving releases you from the burden of having to bear the burden of judging others' lives and your life being judged. Here's the fact. The fact of the matter is, this is spiritual. Forgiveness is a fight, but the fight isn't personal. And you and I will go to any length when we partner with unforgiveness to run around and police all of the actions of people that have offended us. And that is a burden that you and I were never meant to carry. That is between God and that individual. But in order to do that, you have to trust. Number two, forgiveness trusts. James 1.6 says, But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. Because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. The person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. This word double-minded, such a person is double-minded, who believes but also carries doubt. Double-minded means two-spirited. Now, I just talked about the fact that Forgiveness is a fight. It's a fight between two spirits. It's a fight between two spiritual uh, uh, warriors. It's, it's a fight between God, spirit, and the enemy, spirit. And a double-minded person tries to live in both, which this is what this means. It means that if I'm double-minded or two-spirited, that I'll trust God with my forgiveness God, I trust you to forgive me. I have the mind of, of you. I have your mind on this when it pertains to my life. God, I trust you to forgive me. I trust you to release the offense. I trust you to pardon me. I trust you to do what's just and right with me. But I do not trust you, and I have doubt when it comes to doing that in other people's lives who may have offended me. So I'm double-minded. I'm standing in a spirit of, of, of forgiveness, and I'm standing equally in a spirit of unforgiveness. And it says that when I'm double-minded and two-spirited, I'm unstable in everything that I do. 
I'm unstable. Forgiveness trusts God's plan for someone's life is better than my plan. The reason that I don't trust God with forgiving the people that have offended me is that I've put myself in the position of God now. I'm saying, God, I don't trust that you're just. I don't trust you're the king of all kings. I don't trust your Lord and Savior of all. I don't trust that when you say you forgave us all our sins, that they were included. Do you know what they did, God? Did, did you hear what they said to me? Did you see what they did? Do you look at the destruction that they have caused? God, you, there is no way in the world that you are going to be able to justly deal with this person's sin, justly deal with forgiveness. So what I need to do, God, is I need to be double-minded. I need to say, you are good. You are a good God for forgiving me, but you're not good enough to be God in this person's life. So I'm going to stand here and I'm going to withhold forgiveness and I'm going to take judgment and bear judgment over this person's life. Why? Because I don't trust that you're going to do what's right. My plan for this person's life is better than your plan for their life. Now, come on, you, you would never, I would never want to submit my life to the plan of someone else. I want my life submitted to the plan that God has for me. Ups, downs, lefts, rights, darkness, light, mistakes, successes. I want God to be the one who is holding me firmly. And forgiveness, trust, forgiveness has the ability to trust God will do the best, not because the person deserves it, but because God desires reconciliation. Well, Pat, they don't, you know, they don't, they don't deserve, they don't deserve to be, like, you don't know what they did. Hold on a second. God did not predicate his forgiveness of your sins or my sins on whether or not we deserved it. It was predicated on his desire and his love to reconcile what was broken. When you are walking, here's what happens. When you're walking in unforgiveness of other people's lives, it is impossible to walk in the forgiveness of your own. Why? Because you're two-spirited. And it creates an unstable mind. In fact, this is, this is crazy. The Mayo Clinic, which is a very famous medical clinic here in the United States, did a study. Now, this is not a spiritual study, but I think it's fascinating what they found. This is what they found. They found that unforgiveness increases, highly increases, anxiety, depression, low self-esteem, and mental instability. Now, the Mayo Clinic isn't informing us of anything we didn't know or anything that this book we call the Bible didn't already tell us. So thank you. Thank you, science. Thank you, clinical studies, for telling us something and helping us. Maybe that helps you today. Maybe you need to hear today that what Scripture is telling us, that we can't be double-minded and hold on to unforgiveness and expect to walk in peace. Because what the Mayo Clinic is proving is, they're proving what Scripture told us. When we walk in double-mindedness, we are now walking with instability. And when we're unstable, we don't ever know peace. There is no peace. There is no peace in living forgiven by God, but unforgiving other people. We will live an unstable life. Forgiveness trusts. 
Forgiveness trusts. And we have to trust that when we stand firm in our forgiveness and we stand firm in trusting God with his forgiveness, his justice, what is just and right for other people's lives, his plan is better than ours. Third and lastly, forgiveness has a face. Colossians 3.12 says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with... Now, hold on, I'm going to stop. Time out. Look at me for a second. What I'm about to read, it says that we are clothed with... This is speaking to us about what we should put on. So right now, if I ask you to think about situations, think about people, a person a people group, an entity, an organization that you're struggling with, that there's tension, that there's an offense, that, that you're feeling like you, you have a strong opinion about, that you want to put a demand of judgment on. Okay, these are, some, these are some ways to know that we're living in unforgiveness. When you think about that, what I'm about to read is what we're supposed to put on, we're supposed to be clothed with. Let me say it another way. This is the lens that we're supposed to look at these individuals, entities, and organizations through. Why? Because this is how Jesus looks at you and I. Why? Because this is the way that God looks at you through the lens of Jesus. This is what it says. Clothe yourself with what? Compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. You know, you mean, pastor, you mean to tell me that when a person, people, group, entity, organization offends me, I'm supposed to look at them and put on and clothe myself with compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience? (laughs) Yeah. Remember what I said, forgiveness is a fight if we understand it's a spiritual battle and it's not personal, it makes it easier for us to actually understand that forgiveness has a face of compassion, of kindness and humility. But it doesn't stop there. Listen to what it says. It says, bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Now, on top of compassion and humility and gentleness and patience, it says in verse 14, and over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. See, if that word forgive, it's the same root word that we get the word grace. So forgiveness has a face and goes by the name of grace. And forgiveness has this face and walks with an air of compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience. And it's covered. It's sealed. It's like I get this picture of of us putting on all these things and there's still cracks in between each one of them because we're human, you know, And, and we're trying our best. And then God says, but I want you to put on love. And love seeps into all the cracks and binds it all together. So forgiveness is an agreement with God's act of love in another person's life as he has actually loved you. We have an opportunity here this morning. I believe right now in May 24th, 2020, we're living 
in a couple things. Number one, deeply confusing times. One of the biggest things that I hear from people is this is so confusing. I just feel confused. I don't know what to do. Some of you listening to this right now, these are words that have come out of your mouth as recent as maybe five minutes ago or things that you've said over the last weeks or months. I'm so confused. I want to tell you something. I feel like what the Lord is speaking and said it multiple times. I was speaking to my wife, Shandra, and she said, Pat, I just feel like there's just a spirit of confusion that the enemy is trying to uh, like create a wave of this confusion over us as people, as, as not, not, not believers, as people, as humanity, in our homes, in our streets, in our neighborhoods, in our cities, in our counties, in our states, and in our nation and across the globe, that the enemy is winning by creating confusion. Why? Because the enemy brings a spirit of confusion. God brings a spirit of clarity. And I th- this is really important. Forgiveness has a face, and it's not confusion, it's compassion. I think one of the other things that I feel like the Lord is speaking to me about, he's saying, he's drawing attention to the fact that we're living in very polarized times. God's desire is to reconcile and bring back together. The enemy's desire is to divide. So what this says is forgiveness says, you and I might not agree on things, but I'm not going to launch a personal attack at you because that's division. We can actually disagree on a lot of things. So we have disagreements right now in our, in our culture and in society over aspects of COVID. Wear a mask, don't wear a mask. Wear gloves, don't wear a glove. Gather group size gatherings, vaccine or no vaccine. We have divides over ethnicity. We have divides over religious practice. We have divides over so many things. And what the enemy is doing is wielding a sword of confusion, wielding a sword and creating an atmosphere where you and I are becoming embroiled in a battle between each other. And while he's doing that, he's winning. And the battle was never meant for you and I to fight against each other. That we need to start releasing a warfare against the enemy in the spirit as we step into forgiveness. So that means there's people, people groups, entities, organizations, political parties perhaps. There are things that we need to walk in forgiveness which looks like compassion, kindness, humility, patience, and gentleness. It needs to be covered with love and we need to walk in those things so that we can defeat the plans of the enemy. God's plans are better than his plans. God's plans are better than my plans. God's ways are greater than my ways. And the division needs to stop. And it stops when we begin to walk in forgiveness, when we're willing to fight the fight, but we know who we're fighting. When we trust forgiveness and we put on the face of forgiveness. Let me end by saying this this morning. You personally, you have an opportunity to be the face of forgiveness in someone's life. You have an opportunity to be the face of reconciliation and forgiveness in someone's life. Jesus was the face of forgiveness, perhaps for you. This morning, maybe you you haven't stepped into that relationship of Jesus, accepting that relationship that Jesus was the face of forgiveness for you. We have the opportunity to be the face of forgiveness 
for those that have offended us. Because we understand that forgiveness is a fight, that it, it requires trust, and it has a face. Now I'm going to, I don't want you to, I want you to hold tight because I got a question for you. Here's the question. Do you trust God's future for those who may have offended you? Do you trust that God is just, that God's justice is good enough for someone's future who may have offended you? Or are you in a position where you're saying, Pat, I am going to control the future actions of this person who has offended me? Can I just tell you, there is no freedom in that. If, if that's what's happening, look at me. You were bound. You were bound. It will create instability. It will wreak havoc in your life. You have got to, you have to trust forgiveness. And you've got to let the offense go and release it into the hands of God. And this question you knew was probably coming, who, what person, people, group, entity, or organization, who is it this morning that maybe you need to forgive? Who is it? Perhaps you very quickly can maybe just run through your mind and say, who am I often wanting to give and I told you so too. Remind, remind that person. I want to remind that people group, that entity or organization of their failings, of where they maybe have been wrong. Perhaps that's where you should start. Now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wrap up and pray. I don't want you to go anywhere. I'm going to wrap up and pray. I'm going to do this with my eyes closed. If you feel comfortable doing so, you can do the same. You can keep your eyes open. It doesn't really matter. I'm just going to pray very quickly. Lord Jesus, I ask in, in your name, God, that you would begin to release right now. God, that you would begin. Yeah, you, I, I, just, I, I get this picture of God sending just a myriad of, of angels surrounding us as people and, and beginning to encroach in upon the enemy and the enemy's plans. And God, I'm asking that we would, we would come into alignment with what it is that you wanted, your plans. That we, we aren't holding the big picture in our hands and in our head. But God, what, what I know is that we can engage with you we can engage in the fight by submitting to you and understanding that this is not an attack personally between flesh and blood. Scripture says that this, this fight is not between flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities. This is a spiritual fight. And we actually weren't meant to fight this, but we are engaged. We were born into the battle. So we're born and we're willing to step in, submit it underneath you, step into forgiveness and release and let go of the offense because we do not want to partner with the enemy any longer. God, that we're going to trust you in that. We're not going to be double-minded, accepting forgiveness for our own lives, 
but administering unforgiveness in the lives of others. And God, we're going to be the face. This is hard. We actually don't have the strength on our own. So we ask for your Holy Spirit. We ask for your presence, your spirit to empower us to be able to walk in the face of forgiveness with compassion and humility, goodness, and patience covered in love. We thank you in Jesus' powerful name. You can say amen and amen. Family, we love you. We look forward to when we're going to be able to be shoulder and shoulder, face to face with you. Until then, if there's anything that you need, please do not hesitate to reach out. We love you guys. We'll see you soon.